A reading from Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. And from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 40. When the time had come for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a, pair, offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought the child in to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword, of, a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, and the, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Perhaps this morning feels a bit anticlimactic for some of you. 
in the run-up to Christmas 2020, figuring out how to not be overwhelmed or sad or frustrated or disappointed was difficult, more difficult than I expected. Agonizing over what to do about the holidays, the thought of not spending it with my family had me at the breaking point. The war between my heart's desire for connection and my brain's knowledge that staying put is the safest option left me with a bag of anxiety that I hauled around for weeks. And I knew I wasn't alone. Many of us faced these same difficult deliberations. Eventually, decisions were made, but the gnawing tension and uncertainty remained. And that was just getting to December 23rd. It's all just been so exhausting. And so here we are, on the other side of the celebrations. All the preparing and the cooking and the feasting, the giving and the receiving have finished. The presents are open, the wrapping paper is in the recycling bin. Maybe you might even still slightly be in a food coma. And no matter how well you've cleaned, there's probably still glitter everywhere. Even if this holiday was only with those in your household, or if you celebrated alone, the emotional labor of adjusting expectations and grieving plans that were scrapped just like the wrapping paper took a toll. Not to mention the continued waiting for life to be something better than pandemic life. Forget continued celebrations. I need a nap. Luke's gospel passage for this morning finds the Holy Family about a month after the birth of Jesus. The joy of the moment had passed. The stars were back to their normal brightness. The angels returned to wherever the angels returned to. And the smelly shepherds have long since returned to their fields with their livestock. Mary and Joseph are adjusting to the sleepless nights of having a newborn, and they're preparing for their trip back to Nazareth to settle back into everyday life. But they have to make just one stop before heading home at the temple. They needed to present Jesus to be consecrated to the Lord, as was commanded for the firstborn male of every family. Though it was a meaningful and joyous occasion, I think it might have also, they might have also been ready to be back at home after such a strange and miraculous birth. It's at this point where we meet Simeon. Simeon was a righteous man, in case you missed it. The texts said that he was led by the Spirit three different times in three verses. It was this guiding that brought him to the temple that day and led him, him to Mary, Joseph, and the infant Jesus. Simeon had been waiting and watching for the consolation of Israel, and the Lord promised him that he would not see death before he saw the Lord's Messiah. The text doesn't mention his age, but one might wonder if perhaps he was advanced in years. And if some days might have been harder to hold on to that hope of that promise. We also meet Anna, a wise 84-year-old woman, and one of the few named prophets in the Bible. We know a little bit more about her backstory, which was beautifully told through Rachel's monologue earlier. Widowed at a young age, 
after only seven years of marriage, put her in a precarious situation her hus- with no husband and no children, there weren't many options left for her. And while we don't know how she ended up living in the temple, she chose to devote her days to fasting and prayer, waiting for the redemption of Israel. Waiting. Both Simeon and Anna were waiting for the Lord, waiting for the Messiah, the Savior, the true King of the world. They were both living in a world of patient hope where suffering had become a way of life. All of the people of Israel had once again been waiting for deliverance and rescue, and Simeon and Anna had their fingers on the pulse of the inbreaking of God. They had been waiting most of their lives for this moment, and there he was, carried in his mother's arms. So one can only imagine the mixture of emotions that swell in Simeon as he sees this sight. After joyously thanking and praising God and taking the child in his arms, listen to his excitement expressed in Luke chapter 2, verses 30 through 32. My eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. He knew this revelation wasn't just for him or for those around him in the temple with an earshot, or even just for the people of Israel. Simeon saw that the child's coming was that of a savior for, the, for all people, not just the Jews. And here is the first mention of the universal redemption in the, promised in the Old Testament. Anna, also knowing the magnitude of this moment, began telling everyone she could, absolutely everyone she crossed paths with, about the Messiah's arrival and what good news this is for all people. Rejoice, Emmanuel has come. So here we are in 21st century America, where the good news often gets simplified and sanitized and wrapped up in presents and lights and glitter. And I think sometimes we forget the enormity of it all. Paul sums up this good news and gets to the implications in Galatians 4. In the fullness of time, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. And with that redemption comes adoption as children of God. You see, Jesus was born when and where he was needed, 2,000 years ago in Bethlehem, among sheep and straw. God sent his son at the right moment in human history when peoples and nations needed the incarnation and the ministry of Christ and the proclamation of the good news. And a manger is, we need, is where we needed for it to start. Christ's full humanity was manifested in his birth. That night, heaven touched earth. God slipped into this world in human skin and took on our native garb. He was born of a woman, not a princess or a queen, but an ordinary young woman 
He was born not in a palace, but in a stable. His crib was a manger, a feeding trough for animals. He was raised not in Jerusalem, the home of the temple, but in a small town in Galilee. The man who was to be known as his adoptive father was not a ruler, but a carpenter. Jesus would not ha- could not have done more to identify with us in our humanity. And to that end, as a child born in a Jewish home, Jesus grew up subject to the same religious laws that governed his parents and their community, which is why Mary and Joseph were taking him to the temple that day. The Son of God became human and subjected himself to the same laws so that we might be liberated and be made children of God. There is no more striving for belonging and for a place in the kingdom. It's freely given to all of us. And a bonus, we get the Spirit who dwells in us and guides us, establishing a personal way God wants to know us and to be known by him, or for us to know him and for him to know us. Friends, to me, this sounds like good news. When I'm exhausted and it feels like the waiting is never going to end, there's a glimmer that catches my attention, like a speck of glitter glistening at the edge of my vision, some subtle reminder that in the fullness of time, God set in motion God's plan to redeem all things. And that redemption story is still happening right now amidst the political games and the culture wars and the growing unemployment rate and the rising death tolls and a world in which tyrants still seem to be on thrones and my own selfish notion that I'm not one of them, God is still working and calling and making all things new. He's drawing all of us together in kinship and into belonging. God is still trying to get to us. He's seeking out anyone who will listen, using shepherds and widows and those who are listening to the Spirit and those who are waiting. God is still trying to get to us with the good news of great joy for all people. And our reaction to this can only be that of grateful rejoicing. So as the tree and the stockings come down and the Marian bright turn into the doldrums of winter in a pandemic, remember that there is cause for much rejoicing. Emmanuel has come. Like the glitter that falls from the greeting cards and ornaments that will never be fully expelled from your house. The joy of God with us is here to stay. Just like Simeon and Anna, we have seen the coming of the Savior. Let us worship and rejoice in the kingdom that the birth of Jesus brings forth. Amen.